Hello, everyone. I'm Kelsey Litchfield, joined by Jennifer Campbell and Karen Corrigan, and this is Girls Talk Ag. We'll get started here in a short second while Karen and Jennifer jump on to our live broadcast. Hello, Jennifer. I'm good. What's up, Kelsey? I'm getting up on all the news this morning. There's a lot of news out there. Is there? See, I am a poor news reader. I'm like, yeah, just not interested. Well, some days it's slow. This morning, I was pulling things left and right. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, this is kind of interesting. And the Consumer Price Index came out this morning, so I was reading reading all about that. And real quick, cause, because I know you love your milk, it is National Dairy Month. Oh, yes, it is. I do love it. So have you, been, have you been celebrating? I always celebrate. Every freaking day is National Milk Day to me. Actually, Dairy Month. I've had so much ice cream the past. We've made homemade ice cream. We've eaten, oh my gosh, have you ever had Tillamook vanilla ice cream? Oh, love that stuff. Um, Fair Life milk, 2% milk. I buy whole milk to make homemade ice cream with. I am a wholehearted dairy supporter, like maybe single-handedly. You're carrying the dairy industry yourself. Yeah, and you know what? I don't even look at the price of milk. I want my milk. So I I, I know I'm lucky. I don't have to look at the price of groceries. And I do look at the price of some things. But I never look at the price of milk or butter or ice cream. Well, so as I said earlier, I was looking at the Consumer Price Index. And interesting that you mentioned the price. So I thought with it being National, National Dairy Month, I would just include this, that the index for dairy prices surged 2.9% after a 2.5 increase in April. And this is what I thought was interesting. The cost of milk, which is up nearly 16% from a year ago, shot up 2.8% in May. And then the price of ice cream jumped 4.3%. So I know you say you don't look at the prices and you'll continue buying them, but I thought that was an interesting tidbit and a nod to also National Dairy Month. It really is. Now, is that being reflected in what dairy farmers are getting? Because a lot of times I feel like those aren't. That was my question, too. I'm one of those weird shoppers. Like, I was, like, uh, on the computer yesterday price-checking deodorant. Because I'm like, that's a ridiculous price for deodorant. So I look like Amazon and Walmart and Meyer and Kroger. And then I'm like, just add the milk and the dairy products. Don't care what they cost. Just add them to the pickup. Well, please still add up your deodorant, too. Don't forget that. Okay. You know, I will, but I price shot my deodorant. I just want my milk. <laughs> so you're, gonna, you're going to get milk and ice cream and cheese, anything dairy, everything else that is, helps you survive is going by the wayside. Well, oh, yeah. Not to cause any panic, but Amazon is out of my subscribed toilet paper, which happened, you know, yeah. right before it was not available. <laughs> Yeah, you know, my subscribe and save on Amazon has been all over the place. Like, they've had to change my paper towel choice, like, three times, and my toilet paper choice, and I don't know what's going on. There is no Um, change of toilet paper choice. Most other things I can change, but I'm not changing my toilet paper brand. (laughs) Now, I will say it didn't change my brand, because I'm like a quilted northern girl. Yes, me too. Um, And they didn't change my brand, but they changed around, like, the... I don't know. Toilet paper math is hard for me. So they did something with the toilet paper math. Mine just said it was out of stock and they let me know when it was back in stock. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't have quite the toilet paper tower I had a year ago, so I'm a little concerned, but... Uh... Right. Yeah. There's also a tampon shortage I was reading the other day for all... Um, just an FYI for anyone listening. If you're curious, I thought that was interesting. Well, does it anyone like else get day a million it. ads for like the period underwear on Facebook? Or is that just me? Because that completely nope. grosses me out, but I swear to God, I get the ad every day. Have you seen the one TikTok where the girl buys the always period underwear and she goes, these are diapers, like legit <laughs> adult diapers. And I'm like, I don't know what you expected. Well, good like morning, everyone. Had, but I just, I don't know. That just ugh, makes me want to puke. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, 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 maybe I'm old school, but that kind of stuff, I, I don't think we need that much advertising. Like, we all need it, you know. But, but like, I don't understand just... how, I mean, is it like, you know, like a tarp? Is it what? I mean, how does it stay and not get all over your clothes? I guess I, maybe for a yeah. different discussion, I don't want to alienate any listeners, but so strange. Right. <laughs> The girls talk ag this morning, emphasis on the girls. Right. (laughs) Well, let's jump in. Planting season, obviously, winding down. Do you guys have any updates? Let's start right there. Oof. Yeah, my phone's been ringing off the hook the last couple days. So, for lots of herbicide questions, some side dress questions. Got to figure out some things this afternoon to try and help some people. Not all the herbicides had enough moisture to get them activated, and some of them are breaking earlier than necessary. There's a lot of water hemp that decided it no longer wants to be controlled by anything. Uh, good times, good times, good times. Yeah, don't tell Chris that. I just need him to believe that water hemp will 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 die if he looks at it funny. Um, <laughs> Have you guys seen? There was a laser. I think it was Lynn, um, the weed scientist from Cornell, that had posted the the lasers that were killing the weeds. I, is that the thing you tweeted the yeah. other day? I tweeted that hippie farmer needed to get one. So you and ag chick and I could have another field day. Cause we are a uh, field trip. Cause we always go to see what hippies doing. He had yeah. the propane, the, the, he had the flamer, he had the zapper, he had the hemp. <laughs> um, field trip to what, um, yeah. I saw that laser thing. That's, that's wicked. I, how do you, I don't even know how things like that work. I don't know. Basically, it burns them for the most part. So it'll be interesting with so many different herbicides not working as well, you know, where we are in the next 10 years. I know there's been a big run on cultivators this year. A lot of people were buying those. So if you have one to sell, there's a market for those at the moment, but you may want to keep it yourself. Um, And with RTK, you know, cultivating isn't as um, nerve wracking as it may have been, you know, prior to this. I never thought about that. I did see that John Deere is stopping production of the Mulberg Plow. I did see that. Now, if anyone's in the market, I have three (laughs) I'd be glad to get rid of. Well, hold on to them. There'll be antiques in a year. (laughs) Oh, honey, they're probably already antiques. Honestly, the plows probably aren't used in the U.S. as much as they are in other countries. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, we have a cultivator that's been sitting for, I can't even tell you how long but it's been sitting But here's the thing, the if you get pot. rid of it, then you're going to need it. So I just know. keep it to keep away the bad juju. Yeah. Well, apparently we're, that's what that's what it's doing around here because it ain't doing nothing else. <laughs> Jen, are you guys done planting? We are. We got done um, a week ago. A week ago today? Is that right? No, a week ago tomorrow. Um and then actually 
Chris went right into side dressing and he's gotten a huge chunk of that done. Um, and some, and we're trying to get some spraying done, but I tell you what, the winds around here just won't let up. They're just, just enough to keep you out. Well, I'm glad to hear that it actually keeps you out because some of the calls I got yesterday were drift issues. Uh, one, oh. took out a lady's radishes and, um, what was the other thing in our garden that got affected? It was radishes and uh, I don't know, something else. And then another one, they must have been spraying pre in 25 mile an hour winds and it went, you know, quarter mile or more into the next field and took out some beans. So please, yeah. please, please pay attention to the winds because, you know, it, it, there's too much at stake, especially with high prices. You don't want to be dinging somebody else's beans. Yeah. And, you know, Chris, I, I will say Chris is the sprayer around here and he is like, he is anal about the winds. Like when he goes out to spray, he, he has a wind meter. He records it, takes a picture of it. And that's what you're supposed I mean, to do. Yeah. And he does. He's very adamant about that kind of thing. We, we farm around so many people that you yeah. just don't take any chances, yeah. not just with other people's crops, but with yards and gardens. And, yeah. Which brings us to another point. I posted the GIF on, is that how you say it? Is it a GIF or a GIF? I have no idea. I never know. I think it depends who you okay. are. I say GIF. So I used the Chris Farley where he goes, for the love of God, and um, a Facebook group, for the love of God, do not be spraying dicamba Monday through Thursday next week when we're 90 plus degrees with high heat indexes. For the love of God, yeah. just don't do it. And I yeah. know the cutoff date for soybeans is June 20th in a lot of states. Just don't do it. Yeah, that's that could get ugly. Yeah. Well, it's a good way to get it lost, you know, by the end of the year instead of you know trying to hang on to it for another year or two. So, yeah. Well, you you heard it here, folks. Do not yes. do it. And we'll not just, just I told your you soybeans. So. Don't do it on your corn. Don't do it on your pasture, your ditches, your lawn. Don't use any dicamba when the temperature high next week over ninety. Because it's just going to pick yeah. up and move, move, move. So. Yeah. I didn't know it was supposed to get that hot until someone told me yesterday. Because I haven't yeah. been looking at the weather forecast. But, yeah. 90 degree weather in central Illinois. I don't know about other surrounding areas. But we're I heading into summer. I think it's a big part of the Midwest. Yeah. So, hopefully the yeah, pool we're will get warmed up come Monday. But. Yeah, it's supposed to be here. I know they said it's supposed yeah. to be really hot. So and like the heat indices, I believe, particularly on Tuesday, are over a hundred. So yeah, well, not that's a good time to spraying that camera. And honestly, you should be careful with anything you're spraying because your adjuvants are going to heat stuff up in that heat, and you're going to cause more crop injury and burn. So please just really think about what you do before you do it next week, as far as spraying. And as far as being careful, I'm just going to get on my soapbox. I posted it on Twitter and Facebook and anywhere that would listen to me. If you are out there side dressing, and this goes for pre-plant too, wear the freaking safety goggles and gloves. I was driving down the road hauling a tank the other day, and some guy was just changing his tanks. And I'm like, it takes five seconds to put that stuff on. I, I don't get it. <laughs> well, sometimes we believe we're invincible until we're not. So... I guess yeah. it's a, it's yeah. a tough lesson to learn. Yes. I've, I've been, I've been up close with major and minor and hydrous parts and yeah. it's, it's, you're not invincible. Well, that's not just, and it can you. Be I mean, if somebody has to come in and save you, then they're at risk too. So 
Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're putting not, I mean, it's just a whole like landslide of things that can happen. I tell Chris this with everything. He's like, well, I'm in a hurry. I'm like, doesn't matter. You can be in a hurry and everything go go fine, but you can also be in a hurry and have things go wrong and it will just snowball from there because somebody's got to, got to help you. Then some, then while you're recovering, somebody's got to do the jobs that you're not getting done. I mean, it's, I don't know. There's no need well, to add more stress. <laughs> no. Yeah. Sorry. Let's transition. It, no, that's fine. Let's transition to our topic for the day. Um, talking about the shortage of ag teachers. And before we get to that issue, I want to ask you both, did you have an ag teacher? Were you involved in ag classes in high school? What, what was your experience? I, I was. I was also. Um, and I had one ag teacher all four years. Um, now, my kids, I can't tell you how many ag teachers we went through when my kids were in high school. Um four five wow interesting because i just had one and i'm you know in kind of the same camp your kids are in you know age-wise just probably a bit older and i just had one you're um, probably pretty close to kids age actually yeah yeah um she had i think casey casey had two i know emmy went through maybe three i'm not even sure if she ever had any of the ones that casey had mm. I had the same two for four years, and one retired last month, and the other one retires in a year from now. So, so but you that's, had two that's not common wow. as much. Yeah. Yeah. So we had yeah, and that was the first year the, the school my school had two teachers. The longtime teacher had retired the year before, and they replaced him with two incoming teachers. Hmm. So well, you know, so talking about the ag teacher shortage, it's not a new concern it's not a new when i was in college i attended u of i university of illinois from 2017 and it was always a topic of the shortage of ag teachers especially with i was in ag communications and i knew a lot of ag ed majors and there was some of them that chose not to go into teaching after their four year uh four years in college in ag education um so it's it's been it's been a problem what i'm curious now about is there's an overall teaching shortage because of the pandemic. So this problem, I would expect, is just going to get worse. That's what I'm concerned about. It's going to get even worse. Probably. I mean, there's a shortage, particularly in the cities and places where, um, especially there was an older teaching population, you know, that risk. If some of them are able to retire, I think a lot of them did. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like there's always teacher, I get the ag teacher openings for the state of Illinois and it seems like every other freaking day there's an opening. And I understand some yeah. of that is just juggling and people just moving to other schools, but I believe we only have like what, 12 to 15 actual graduates in the state of Illinois in ag ed or something. I mean, it's something crazy like that. Um, I met with, uh, with the Farm Bureau, we did our rural route safety days and the ag teacher there actually was a former PE teacher, but since ag ed is a high priority, he was able to transition into being an ag teacher. And granted, there are there's a lot of curriculum already built in, particularly at least in the state of Illinois. And so that transition is a little bit easier, but I mean, he'd been a PE teacher for a couple of decades and now he's an ag teacher. Jen, do you hear about this problem in Indiana or is this just not an issue that you hear a lot of? 
Uh, no, we're lacking some ag teachers. We have a couple retiring this year. One moved around. I know originally like Southwestern High School or Southwestern, no, Indian Creek High School was looking for additional ag teacher. Now, I do think they found one. Um, I know that um, we know Joey really well, and um, he did ask um, Emmy Lou if she wanted, with her teaching degree, if she wanted to get a ag license through the state, if she'd come down and teach, but... Um, since she graduated this year, but she, she'd already taken a job with uh, Triton as first grade. I, I don't know. There were lots of kids that graduated from state. I don't, I don't know. I know that Emmy interviewed for several jobs. Um, she's an elementary education. Let's make she, that clear. She is an, yeah, she is an elementary ed. They were, um, but they did, you can get a, uh, I don't know what to call them, emergency license, temporary license to teach ag. Provisional. I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know how much, you know, qualifications you have to have to get that. I in Illinois, you just have to have a couple of years of actual experience in agriculture and they will figure out a way to get you in the classroom. It's kind of yeah. how it was stated. So I guess in my opinion, you know, if it's a great position for, you know, kids that are coming back to the farm and maybe there's not enough room, you know, that would give you the opportunity to still be close and still have some, you know, afforded time yeah. to help on the on the family farm. And it would yeah. give you insurance, which I'm all about. <laughs> mm -hmm. I um, I think that will be an interesting take, actually, because I think, particularly around here, and I'm not speaking for all FFAs and eggs, but ag in our schools around here has moved more towards FFA, and you know, um, oh, less about production agriculture. Let's just put it that way. Um, so I think that'll be interesting that. I, it would be a great opportunity for kids to actually be reintroduced to production agriculture if those kids are coming from production ag farms. Mm -hmm. Well, and there, that's part of the thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit about is, you know, FFA has been has had such a push to be inclusive that I feel like it's so inclusive now with so many different contests and pulling the advisors and the students in so many different directions that it's just not as appealing of a job anymore. I mean... You know, you want to have a life outside of your job. And I think with everything there is in FFA, I think that makes it a little bit hard. And I think that's why we see a lot of teachers out of the teaching, you know, in five to nine years. Um, a lot of the guys I graduated with and gals that were um, ag majors, you know, didn't last more than five years. And they went into other positions um, in different agribusinesses. Yeah, there's a lot of work before school, after school. Summer. In addition to in the classroom. I mean, the state conventions um, in the summer, so, you know, you have livestock fairs and, you know, just different things. I mean, it, it's a lot of extra work. And I know that in a lot of places they're compensated. But, you know, if you get to the point where you have a family and you have kids and kids are in activities after school, you know, you kind of want to go in the direction that they're going and not in a completely opposite direction. So I think that that's kind of an issue. And I know my alma mater is looking to add a second teacher so that one can act in more of the capacity of in the classroom the other more of the ffa advisor uh -huh. you know those are two different things although okay. one person a lot of times is both uh -huh. so that's interesting that i think a lot of schools are expanding but then you still have the shortage our high people. school has a community representative for an ffa sponsor interesting yeah 
So, and I mean, I think that's one way to do it is just, you know, split up the work, you know, with parents and communities and things like that. But and then pe- extra people have to take background checks and you have to, you know, be comfortable letting your kids go with people that, you know, may be directly associated with the school. And, you know, I'm a smother mother, so I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I think it's interesting, too, that um, these FFA positions, these ag teachers, they're more than a full-time job. And, and they're not getting any more pay than any anybody else um we, we when emmy emmy did give it a, a brief moment of thought and, sh- and chris and i sat down with her and said you got to think about this it's it's you know you're talking nights and weekends and after school it's it's more than a 40 hour a week job and you know it's all through the summer it's you know it's a huge huge commitment well, and a lot of times, too, agribusinesses will take people out of the ag education curriculums and get them to be trainers and companies and salespeople and all different kinds of things. So there's other jobs that come into play that, you know, pay a bit more. But, you know, again, you don't have your summers off like you would with a teaching. But how much of your summer do you really get off when you're an ag teacher? Yeah, I just it, it, it's a huge commitment. I do feel for them. I mean, you and, and it's and, and you can ask it's hard to ask for help. A lot of people have problems asking for help, but you need to ask for help. I guess right. And sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, would help too if asked. Right. So I see this as a problem across teachers. Teachers aren't just getting paid enough a salary for all the extra hours they come. It's not just, you know, agriculture, it's teachers across the board. And I don't see a solution for that anytime soon. Although I was reading that the Illinois Ag Ed Teacher Grant Program, they they have grants that are allowing ag ed teachers who stay in the classroom that they receive extra supplemental income over the course of the five years. So I see things trying to be done, and I know they want to retain these teachers. My oh, he's been forever, I don't a long time, and looking to retire. And you know, you want someone to replace that person that is going to stay there for a long time and build it up. Um, it's, it's, it's so hard though, you know, just nowadays stay in one position though, gone are the days where you stay in one job for 40 years, literally, but no, it's not as heard of anymore. Well, because if you're good at what you do, then, you know, somebody's going to come looking to take you away. So Mm -hmm. one thing I will say about teachers in general, I am in the camp that anything they buy for their classroom should be tax deductible. I think it's capped at like 100 or $250, which is just a bunch of bullshit. I mean, if teachers are buying actual items, whether it's pens, pencils, paper, folders, whatever, for their classrooms, that should all be itemized and tax deductible, in my opinion, it's regardless not, of how much it is. It's not tax deductible? It, it's capped at like, in some places, like $100, and in other places, like $250. Oh, that's ridiculous. Right. That I mean, if you feel the, the need to buy that. Well, not only that, but, you know, teachers, you know, need different things like seating. And, you know, as our PTO, we try to, you know, pay for a lot of that stuff for the teachers. But, you know, sometimes not every school has that opportunity. So if teachers are buying things for their classrooms, I think they need to be tax deductible. Yeah, I agree 100%. Every teacher I've ever known has bought something for the classroom and spent all thousands of dollars to do so. Right. And they do it every year. You know, I mean, some of the bigger items, they'd only do maybe once or twice in their um, teaching careers. But there's, you know, small stuff that they buy every year. 
talking talking about solutions because I just don't want to say, oh, this is all doom and gloom. We actively have to be supportive, but be supportive is not enough. Um, but there are people in the community that have, you know, um, substitute for ag classes so that teachers could go on maternity and paternity leave and things like that. So there are different ways for you to fill in that aren't, you know, full commitments also. Yeah. So maybe if if you're interested, go to your local school and say, Hey, I want to help. How can I do it? Totally. I think, yeah, I think that's the best thing you can do is completely volunteer. A lot of people want to be wait, they wait and want to be asked, but it's, there's, there's always room to just jump in and say, what can I do? Well, one of the problems mm-hmm. this last year is there aren't enough substitute teachers. So the actual ag teachers can't take their students places because there's nobody else to fill in that classroom if they leave. Right. So you could just offer to be a substitute teacher on the days that, you know, the ag teacher to be um, at a contest or something with the kids. Yeah, that's a great idea. And you can, you can say, look, I, you can get your application in and get your background checked and be a substitute teacher and just say, I just want to cover ag. Mm-hmm. I also know budget, especially in the state of Illinois, is a huge issue. Money. It is a lot of places. Um, our, our high school, in the process of building an ag center where they're housing livestock, which I would have loved the opportunity to you know, do more on the animal science side while I was in high school. And there's a lot of corporate companies and individuals that stepped up to support that. So it's good to see you know, others supporting through that and allowing new opportunities. I think it's really refreshing, especially for the ag teacher. I mean, to see the new opportunities being built. Well, I'm excited about the things that they're doing when it comes to that, because to me, and again, I go back to this, it goes more into production ag. Um, I know that uh, the local school, my kids went to school with their FFA have been doing uh, meat chickens for one or two years. I can't remember how long, as well as some uh, vegetables in a garden in the greenhouse. And then those go to the cafeteria for lunches. Um, And then the Indian Creek um, has had a beef cattle program. I think Franklin is getting ready to start a beef cattle program too. Um, Wow. Yeah. So now is it Maconaqua? I can never say that word. It's up north in Indiana. They've had a beef program for quite some time. Um, and, and then, so the kids take care of the cattle. Most of the, most of the calves are donated and, um, then they're processed and that meat goes straight to the cafeteria. Um, now for me, I like that kind of stuff because I like the production ag side of it. Mm-hmm. My kids, my kids wanted the production ag side and, and, ours tended to go more at the time towards the the speaking and the professional side of it which I think I think we need both so I'm not saying we need to get away from one or the other I'm saying I think we really need both but in our area right now the production ag side is suffering a little bit you do you do need both because this is exactly the time kids should be exploring what they want to do that's the advice I always share with people is don't just go in the direction you think you want to go open your open yourself up to opportunities try new things because it's so important to see what you don't want to do as much as you do what you do so I think it's amazing to see these kids getting these opportunities and even trying though because as an ag communicator is so important everyone has communication skills so you know there's opportunities for that but it's that's why I'm a big supporter of FFA yeah around here too we have more city kids country kids who aren't again, in production agriculture, and 
they may really enjoy that. It just never had the opportunity at home to experience that. And this is the place to get those opportunities. Um, cause there, there are lots of, uh, lots of things in, in production agriculture that aren't strictly farming, um, mm-hmm. you know, a self-employed farmer. Um, yeah. And I know There's it's a kind lot. of a, it's kind of a dead horse I beat, but I, I really feel like, um, FFA got away from that. Mm-hmm. I gotta say from this conversation, definitely out and volunteer within your own high school or contact your state office, see how you can help serve, contact your local school. I know volunteers are much needed. So that's a, that's a start right there. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a full-time job. I mean, you can volunteer for as much as or little as you want. Um, I just, I just, but it's take important. It don't wait to be asked because they don't always know who to ask for what. And they may not be aware of what you might be able to contribute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. One hundred percent. And you don't have to have a kid in school to volunteer. Talk to your FFA advisor. Um, volunteers don't have to just be people who have kids in school in the program. Well, I know our FFA alumni group. We always say you do not have to be involved in FFA as a high schooler to be a volunteer. You anyone. Can. And so I know that to show people, you don't have to have anything in the egg. You can still be a part of the alumni association and want to help the kids. So I think that's really cool too. Okay. So I have a couple headlines. I really just want to do a quick lightning round. I thought I'd get your perspectives on real quick before we end today. Are you guys up for that? Sure. sure. Okay. So the first one is from NPR. I don't know if you guys have seen this. This was out yesterday. It says New Zealand announces world first plan to tax cow and sheep burps. What do you think of that? Have you heard of that? Say that again. So New Zealand has announced a plan to tax livestock burps. That's from NPR. They are taxing the carbon hoofprint, as they're saying. I don't. This maybe I'm not smart enough to understand this, but really, that's what they're wasting their time on. It reminds me this morning I just saw I can't remember her last name, but Debbie from Nebraska, who's a cattle farmer, she was wearing a T-shirt um, that I stop blaming cows. Um, cows, I guess, yes. less than two percent, while things like electricity and um, cars generate like 27 and I don't know another percentage in the double digits. And so, you know, you can blame cows, but you really need to consider your transportation and your electricity use as far as, you know, making a bigger impact. Yeah. It says, I, I it says here, there are seven times more cows and sheep than people in New Zealand. And on Wednesday, the country's government released a draft plan to have farmers pay for their animals' emissions starting in 2025. Well, I would say that's a good way to have less animals and be less food secure. So that's one headline I just thought I'd share that I saw before hopping on here for today's recording. The other one, are any of you Sriracha fans? Do you have, do you put Sriracha on your food? Sometimes. My, my middle does. I don't, I can't get into it. There is a Sriracha hot sauce short that could last through the summer. So if you want to panic buy anything, I'd say it'd be Sriracha. I could do that. (laughs) 
So that's your headlines for today. Anything to share, mention before we wrap it up here? Yep. Stay safe. Yep. Don't get in a panic and don't spray dicamba next week. <laughs> there we go. For the love of God, please don't spray dicamba if it's over 90 degrees. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in today. Thanks, Kelsey. Bye, Karen. Bye bye.